you can go ahead and turn back to Philippians chapter 4. Let me tell you where we've been, where we're going. We've been, for some time now, tracking through the book of Philippians. We took it chapter by chapter, and then we started narrowing our focus, and we, uh, we started looking at individual nuggets, if you will, within the book of Philippians that we could expand upon. Phrases sometimes, words sometimes, individuals at points in the book of Philippians, and we just asked questions about them. Our latest question was, why did Paul decide to use the language of a priestly or sacrificial offering to equate to the financial gifts that the church at Philippi had blessed him as a missionary with. They had been supporting Paul. They were one of the only churches in the region that supported Paul, and they supported him lavishly. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, that it is not just a blessing to the apostle Paul, but it was worship to their God. The Philippians were commended for their financial offerings to Paul. He was he was grateful, but more than that, God was worshipped. Paul was grateful, but more than that, God was worshipped. Paul equated their gift to a priestly offering made in the temple. He said it was more than enough for him, which was likely an exaggeration. Okay, uh, just his way of expressing his thanks to the church of Philippi because the church of Philippi was very poor. So it wasn't likely that they had a whole lot to give to the Apostle Paul. And it wasn't likely that the Apostle Paul had... Uh, have an overabundance of, uh, of material things himself. But he said it was more than enough for him. But not only that, he saw it. The Apostle Paul, in his estimation, saw it as an acceptable sacrifice, you remember he said, and a fragrant aroma that's actually pleasing to God. The highest commendation he could give them. In other words, what you have done unto the least of these, you have done unto me. Christ would have said they didn't just minister to Paul like a priest. They were ministering in the very presence of God by demonstrating their love of God through Paul and their love of him. Well, uh, we get to do that very thing. This is where we ended up last week. We get to do that very thing because Christ, our great high priest, has not only made the final sacrifice in the temple, he's torn the separating veil and he makes way for us so that we can now bring our offerings as we please. And it's an amazing picture for Paul to place us on the same level, in the same category as priests. What a strong statement. What a beautiful picture. The question for us today is, what other offerings? What other offerings, if any, are we instructed to bring? Obviously, from Philippians 4.18, Paul sees our financial giving as we support one another, as we help one another, as we send out missionaries, as we give to the church, etc., it's not just ending there or here on earth, but it is considered in Paul's mind, in Christ's mind, as we know from the Gospels, it's considered worship to the King. But does the New Testament ever indicate that there are other offerings to present? And here's, again, where we just ask questions. As we narrow our focus in the book of Philippians and we see that there's this occasion where the Apostle Paul he, he ascribes this illustration of sacrificial priestly giving to something we do now as New Testament priests in the royal priesthood of believers. Does he ever do that for anything other than giving? And certainly he does. And so we're going we're gonna to jump out of the book of Philippians this morning and we're going to look at a few other places. I've found five and there may be more. There may be a couple that I've missed, but I'm going to show you five this morning. Last week, I intended to give you each of them by way of support for our passage in Philippians, but we simply ran out of time. So today, uh, I'm just going to finish 
I'm just going to finish last week's teaching by briefly looking at each of them. And as we do that, we're going to realize that we could have spent the entire Sunday on any one of them, right? But that's okay. Uh, The goal for this morning is to simply help us to see what we now have opportunity to bring to God as a part of the royal priesthood that we belong, in which we've been inducted by Christ himself. So, as Christ our high priest offered the sacrifice, the one sacrifice we're not able to offer on our own and live, that is, we now have opportunity to bring our own offerings. Okay? And so we're, I'm going to show you five of those. And we're going to jump around a little bit. Uh, I spoiled you this week. I put the, uh, put the verses up on the slides. And so you don't have to flip around in your Bible if you can't find Hebrews, etc. You, you'll be fine this morning. You just pay attention to the board. I normally don't do that. You've heard me say this before. If you haven't heard me say this before, the reason I normally don't put slides uh, with the passages up there is because I want you to bring your Bible. I want you to see it in your Bible. So on Monday, you can find it in your Bible. On a hard day, you can find it in your Bible. Okay, so... Um, but you're getting spoiled this morning. Let me say three things uh, by way of qualification or as preliminaries before we get into those five passages, okay? Let me say three basic things. Number one, the old covenant priestly offerings were prescribed as duty. Let me say that again. The old covenant priestly offerings that we're going to see that now we're equating our offerings to, okay? So we've got to understand the parallel so we can understand ours. The Old Covenant priestly offerings were prescribed as duty. Now, however, the offerings that we bring are spontaneously given by us as a response to his great love for us. You understand the difference? Old Covenant prescribed duty. New Covenant offerings, spontaneous responses. Okay? Now, you need to keep that in mind as a preliminary thought. As we go into these five items, they are given only as spontaneous overflows of a glad heart. Done out of duty alone, none of the following things that we talk about are to be assumed acceptable or pleasing to God if done by duty alone. Okay, they need necessarily to be spontaneous. And I I think you'll understand that a little bit more as we go through. Number two, all of these activities that we're going to consider are, in fact, worship. We've often reminded you that our worship is more than the songs we sing, more than the songs we sing collectively here on Sundays or on our own. In fact, many sing songs that would not qualify as worship, not simply because the song is not worship, but because the way they present it is not worship. And by that, I don't mean that they can't sing well. I mean that their heart is not correct in the offering. So many sing songs that does not make it worship. We certainly offer up our songs of worship, but there is certainly more to bring than just a song. Amen? There's certainly more to bring to the altar than just a song. So, one, Old Covenant priestly offerings were prescribed as duty. Now our New Covenant offerings were their responses, spontaneous responses to the love we have for our God. Secondly, you have to keep in mind that all of them are worship. No matter what act we talk about this morning, they all fall under the umbrella of worship. But the third thing you need to understand as we go through these five is, is that the, the second is true because the first is true. Now, let me explain that. The, the second thing I've said here, by way of qualifications, is only true because the first is true. In other words, the activity is considered worship, not because it is prescribed, but because it is spontaneous. All right, so they, those first two go together necessarily. 
And by spontaneous, you understand that we mean it's from the heart. It's not just surface. They're not just words. They're not just acts. It comes spontaneously, meaning as a response of our heart towards our God. A.W. Tozer said it this way in his book, Whatever Happened to Worship. Listen to this. He said, I'm of the opinion that we should not be concerned about working for God until we have learned the meaning and the delight of worshiping him. So you've got to understand the third thing here is that it has always been a heart issue for God. It's always an inside-out thing for God. Okay? So let's jump in here. The first one I want you to see, Hebrews 13, verse 15. Hebrews 13, verse 15 is where we're going to start. And this is our first, other than the Philippians 4.18, Hebrews 13, verse 15 is going to give us the first that we'll deal with here of our, uh, of our extra offerings, if you will. In addition to what you give financially to support each other, to support the church, to support the ministry, to support the kingdom, etc., there are other priestly offerings mentioned in Scripture. Hebrews, the author, uses sacrificial language in verse 15, chapter 13, verse 15, and he's going to say that something else qualifies as our offering as, a, as part of the royal priesthood. Chapter 13, verse 15. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of... Praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. Now notice a few things here. Number one, when he says then, through him then, and him is Christ. In chapter 13, the author has gone to great extents, really all throughout the book of Hebrews, but he sums up in the, in, in the last chapter here that Christ is sufficient for all in all. Okay, that's his, that's his main theme and point, and he's been belaboring that point throughout the whole book. And as a summary, in chapter 13, he's going to say that Jesus is sufficient for all in all. Now, because of that, he gets to this paragraph, verse 15, through him then. And it's a cause and effect, so to speak. It's a cause and effect, so to speak. This is where the spontaneity comes in, okay? That we respond based on what Christ has done. So he says all this stuff about Christ throughout the book of Hebrews. He sums it up in chapter 13 and he says, so then now, now we do this. Okay. You understand how our spontaneity comes into this, how how it's an outflow of the heart. It's not just a duty, but this is a clear response by the author, a command to respond to what Christ has already done. So through him, then let us continually, the word continually, obviously, as believers, it simply means that we're, we're always to find something to give thanks and praise to God about. There should always continually, never ending in our life as we walk on this earth, there, there ought to be something as believers that we find to give praise to God about. Now, uh, I've found, I've found as I was meditating on this verse, that since our economy has gone downhill, since people are losing jobs, since a lot of bad stuff is happening in our culture, I find it as a believer very easy to praise God at the very simplest thing. If you have children, you may be finding it very easy when they are healthy uh, in the midst of others who are, are not with healthy children to praise God. Uh, there, are, there are numerous reasons, and the author here believes and says to us that we ought to be continually finding, recognizing that the hand of God is working in our world, protecting us, blessing us. It should be a continual act of praise. Now, let me talk about the word praise here for just a moment. Praise in this context is not, is not a reference necessarily to music or song. 
Okay? We tend to think when we talk about praise, we tend to think about praise music, praise and worship, etc. Praise is worship, but praise is not necessarily by song or the music that accompanies it. Okay? So we gotta we gotta get that out. We gotta get that presumption out of our head. It may come in the form of music or song, but it may just be a word, or I might argue a thought. Praise is the aspect of worship that might best express in Scripture thankfulness. Thankfulness. Our praise is saying thank you to God for who He is, what His hand has done on our behalf, uh, or just His character or His holiness or His love for us. It's our way of saying thank you. There are many reasons for us to continually be in thanks to our God. Seeing God's hand or heart at work and, and marking the moment simply with a, with a wow, with an amazement about our God. Pray, praise God. The most acceptable service we can do and show unto God and which alone he desires of us is that he be praised of us, Martin Luther said. Praise simply has you agreeing with the truth about God and who he is. Okay? And we ought to be continually about that business. And that in and of itself, God sees as it comes as a response to him, Christ, verse 15, God sees that as us laying an offering on the altar. And it is acceptable and it is pleasing unto our God. It blesses Him. That's our first offering. Look at the next one. It comes in the very next verse. You don't have to flip very far. Verse 16. Not only do we offer the fruit of our lips, we also offer the fruit of our hands. Verse 16. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Not only do we praise God, but we have to act, church. When he says do not neglect, it's the idea that lest we think our offerings be confined to the worship service or our verbalizing our praises to God, which would in and of itself be a bad interpretation of verse 15. We have more to offer. We have more to bring to the altar, to the throne of God, than simply our praises. We have offerings by way of good deeds again not out of duty not out of necessary responsibility but as a response through him then we bring our praise and we do not neglect good deeds and sharing literally koinonia it's the word we use in the greek for fellowship it means or infers at least that we are not our own and that nothing we have all right, check this out. Koinonia infers that, that we're not our own and that nothing we have, none of the things that we have are our own necessarily. As believers, we recognize that God has been so kind to us that we simply can't help but extend that kindness. That's koinonia. That's the sharing. That's the fellowship of the believers. That whatever God has given to us, it just, it just flows past us. It extends to those around us. The guy who taught me the Bible, uh, he said, you want to understand this, this passage? You want to understand what this means? He said, buy a pickup truck. If you have a pickup truck, you know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to being a good deed doer, right? You got a pickup truck, you're everybody's best friend when it comes to moving day, uh, mulch day, etc. You know what I'm saying, right? You want to learn how to be, you want to learn how to offer these types of offerings unto God? 
simply buy a pickup truck and you'll have you'll have uh, as much opportunity as you need to bless the Lord in that way. As you help and share meeting the needs and carrying the burdens of one another, you do it not just to them, but you do it to God. That's the that's the that's the premise of all these offerings is that they go past the individuals here on the earth and they make their way to heaven. They bless they bless the Lord. He counts it. He counts it. God does. Did you notice that? Verse 16. As a pleasing sacrifice. A pleasing sacrifice. So by way of, uh, by way of challenge, we need to find ways to worship in this way. We need to find ways to make offerings in this way. It's, uh, in fact, needed by your brethren and needed by your neighbors. Is that right? It's not only needed by the brethren here. I mean, there may be people here who need a, a sitter this week uh, to go do something, and they need, they need someone to watch their kids. Um, scripture says that that counts not just as a blessing to them, but God receives that. It's pleasing to Him as we minister, as we share, as we bless one another, as we, as we do the good things, the right things here on earth. But we've got to find ways to do that among the brethren. Not only that, we've got to find ways to do it outside of the body, in our country, and in our world. We live in a generation that's weary of words, one pastor said. They don't care necessarily about our theology, lest they see it show up in our life. The body needs it. The lost need it. There was a survey a few years back of uh, the most despised jobs in all of America. And uh, this is uh, in, the, in the high time of uh, TV evangelists, and we had a bunch of guys falling off their thrones and, you know, uh, unfortunately giving Christianity a bad name, etc. And uh, it was interesting that just above prostitutes and drug dealers, our country despised television evangelists next. We didn't rank much higher. The point of that is that uh, our deeds aren't lining up. When they do, they're a fragrant aroma to God. They're pleasing to Him. I was uh, I was at my son's baseball game yesterday, and uh, we're we're nearing the end. We just got a couple games. I think we just have one game left. And um, I don't make it a habit. Um, I just don't make it a habit of telling people what I do, um, that I'm a pastor. I just don't go around saying, hey, I'm Pastor Darrell. Um, I, I don't think I've ever introduced myself as pastor or anything. Uh, and, and that's fine. Some do. But I just, it's, I just don't do that. And uh, so we've been in practice now with this same family for several, several weeks now. We're nearing the end. And um, I've just been doing my thing. I've just been helping kids, helping Grady, uh, trying not to get frustrated, you know. Uh, as a as a dad and 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 things have gone well lord's been good to help me keep my temper as i you know i get fired up as a former athlete myself etc but um this past saturday one of the guys one of the one of the assistant coaches uh we're leaving the field and uh he had heard last week through uh, just a random occurrence his wife just happened to have grown up with one of our neighbors, and they were all there at the practice field, uh, different fields, and they ran in each other. And they said, "How do you know him? How do you know? Him? Well, we're neighbors, etc." So it, it came out they knew they found out that I was a pastor. And so he comes this this past Saturday, and we're walking on the field. And he says, "I didn't know you were a you're a pastor. I didn't, I didn't know you were a pastor." 
And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, I, I am. Yeah, I am. And immediately I'm rewinding in my head as he, say, as he asked me this question. I'm rewinding in my head, you know, the last six weeks of baseball practice and baseball games. <laughs> have my deeds lined up? Has my attitude, have my actions, has everything lined up? I mean, do I want to admit to this guy, yeah, I am a pastor? Uh, is he asking me thinking, you're a pastor or you're a pastor? Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't really get the emphasis there on, on where it was. The world need, needs our deeds to line up. The world needs our deeds to line up. And when they do, they're, they're very pleasing to God. It doesn't just, it's not just a blessing to them. It goes past them as a fragrant aroma to our king. Um, our church, our church needs to begin to do a better job of this, uh, collectively and individually. Um, one, we've got to find better ways to collectively do a good job of this, of being a blessing to our community. Um, you, as individuals, too, need to find ways to be a blessing to your neighbors. You have to be intentional about this sometimes. You have to be intentional about this sometimes. Um, the truth is that they're never going to put my picture on the front page for walking you guys through Philippians. We could go through Romans, Galatians. We could walk through the entire New Testament. They're never, never, ever going to interview me in the newspaper about our theology. You know what gets in the newspaper? Uh, going out, helping some shut-ins, feeding the needy, blessing someone in our community. Deeds. You see this? This is the good deeds that come not as duty, but they come as a, as a natural response to our love for our king. It just sort of extends past us. That we share, that, that we koinonia, that we fellowship. We're blessing to each other. We're blessing to those around us. Our country and our neighbors should delight at the thought of us. We should delight at the thought of us. We should be the good deed doers in our circles of influence. Um, the book of Titus is uh, it's the, it's the poster child for good deeds. Listen to just some of these. The good deeds is mentioned numerous times in the short book of Titus. Let me read just a couple to you. Titus 2.7, In all things show yourselves to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine dignified. 2.14, Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Titus 3.8, this is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in, guess what, good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men, lost and saved. Titus 3.14, our people must also learn to engage in good deeds, to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. Interesting picture there. The author of Hebrews said it this way, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Peter said it like this, maybe most directly. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, because they are observable, glorify God. Very simply, we should be salt and light and a delight to our country, a delight to our neighbors. We should be a delight. 
Uh, Voltaire said it this way, I think. I think it was Voltaire. It says, if Christianity isn't true, if Christianity isn't true, we should live as though it were. And he wasn't a believer. If Christianity isn't true, if, if, if this formula for living, which includes not just faith and theology, but righteous deeds, acts of koinonia, of sharing, of kindness, etc. If that system of Christianity, if it isn't true, if some guy just made it up, uh, he said, you know what? We ought to live like it's true anyway. Because it's simply the best way. It's just the best way. So you see how we become a blessing to society, but also God says, uh, I'll take that. I'll receive that. I'll count that as worship. All right, let's jump to our next one. Number three, Romans 15, verse 14 through 16. Romans 15, verse 14 through 16. The Apostle Paul says to the Romans there the same thing in a little bit different way that we have another priestly offering. We have another sacrificial offering. And it is that we offer souls. That we offer souls. Uh, In chapter 15, he's talking to them about unity and how they need to uh, live in such a way that they can be a blessing to the lost. That they might offer lost souls as worship unto God. Listen to what he says in verse 14. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to admonish one another. But I've written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again, because of the grace that was given me from God. Now, he's gonna, Paul's going to tell you what his, his life has been about here in the next verse. To be a minister of Christ to the Gentiles, ministering as a, you see it? A priest, a priest of the gospel of God, so that my offering, see how he sees himself as a priest here? So that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. What is the offering here? The offering here is, it's the offering of souls. It's the offering of souls. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but by the way of the gospel, we can offer up souls as a gift to God. On the altar. The Apostle Paul was about spending his life spreading the gospel. Extending what God had extended to him. And Paul saw his his evangelism as an offering to God of souls. Isn't Isn't that an awesome picture? That as we share the gospel, as we lead men and women to the grace that we've been led to ourselves by the Spirit. As we, as we share that information, as we are salt and light in this world, as we expose them to the truth of their sin and the grace of God's forgiveness, God sees that as an offering, that we offer up souls. Now, I'm not going to, as I said, spend a lot of time on this. I'll just leave you with a challenge. Uh, how is your offering doing right here? There are many of us, I'm afraid, who never take part in this priestly duty or in this our priestly response to the grace God has extended to us there are those of us who a year will go by and we have no souls to offer as worship on the altar before our God's throne let's jump to the next one number four not only do we offer our praise not only do we offer our good deeds Not only do we offer the souls of the lost. Number four, 
We offer ourselves. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, very popular passage. Many of you have it memorized. Paul says, I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, I'm begging you, brothers and sisters in Christ, to what? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable, which is your reasonable service of worship. Okay? Do you see our priestly offering there? It's, our, it's, our, it's ourselves. And the question is, does God have all of you? Does God have you on the altar? Have you sacrificed your life, your everything? Your ambitions, your careers, your families, your greatest loves, your hobbies, your five-year plan, your ten-year plan, your retirement plan? Have the, has all of you been laid on the altar? The, the only problem with a living sacrifice is what? A living sacrifice keeps crawling off. This is a daily thing on our part. Notice as well that Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You see the cause there? This is a response to what? Again, it's a response to God and his love and his mercy towards us. This offering is not our duty. This offering is our, it's our great joy that we lay our lives on the altar before our God and say, it's all yours. You take it. Wherever you lead, I will go. We give ourselves. The fifth one, our last one. Jump to Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. Preston mentioned this in his prayer at the end. I need to tell you that uh, none of the theologians that I read on this topic mentioned this one as a, uh, as a new covenant priestly offering. Um, so you decide on your own whether you want to include it uh, as being considered a priestly offering or not. I think it's left out because of where it's found in the book of Revelation. Let me, let me read it to you. Revelation chapter 8 says this in verse 3 and 4. Another angel came and stood at the altar. Here we are back at the place of sacrifice. Holding a golden censer and much incense. The censer is the thing that uh, burned the incense and all the smoke would come out of this. And much incense was given to him so that he might add to it, add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's head. I think this one was left out in most of these studies simply because where it's found in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 8, we are after the rapture. The rapture has taken place and we are in the presence of the Lamb. We are the saints and it says our prayers are laying on the golden altar before the throne. Okay? Our prayers lay on this golden altar which is before the throne. They burn with the incense the angel brings and it rises as a fragrant aroma, a pleasing sacrifice, literally before the throne of God as that golden altar sits before the throne of God. Now I can't imagine that our prayers while still here on earth are viewed any differently by our God in heaven. We are, although we have not fully become, we are already what we are yet to be. And um, we are saints. And as such, as we offer our prayers, I believe God counts that as a priestly offering, so to speak. Now, let me say this about our prayers. While our prayers can involve many things, including praise, while our prayers can include many things, 
including praise, prayer in Scripture is most often seen as a request. Okay? In Scripture, prayer is most often seen as a request. It's a, it's a help or it's a please God. It's a beseeching. Philippians 4, you remember Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Don't be anxious, but let your requests be known before God. In that way, our prayers express our faith and our trust in our God. You see that? As we, as we lay our requests, our needs, our concerns, our supplications, as we lay it before our God, it is an act of faith and trust in our God. And that is most certainly an acceptable and pleasing sacrifice that rises from our heart's altar before His throne. Amen? Yeah. So what do you got here? You have several offerings. I don't know if you've ever wondered what you can do for God now that you're a believer. You ever, you ever sit down and just think, well, God, what do you want me to do? If you're struggling to find maybe your, your purpose in life. Well, let me say this. Until he breaks the silence on who you're to marry, what job you're to take, what house to buy, where to buy a house, uh, et cetera, et cetera, on those right and left turn things, until he breaks the silence on those things for you, in the meantime, you simply do what he's already said is pleasing and acceptable to him, right? Namely, you offer up, you lay on the altar, so to speak. You gift to God as a spontaneous response of his love towards you and your love in return to him. You offer up your money, Philippians 4, your means, you offer up your praises, Hebrew 13, your deeds, Hebrew 13, your lost souls should be your offering, yourself, which is no small thing, and your prayers. Folks, we are, we are and this is the point of the last two weeks, we are the new generation of priests. According to this parallel, we are the new covenant priesthood. And as the veil has been torn by the ultimate high priest, not just one can go in because now it's been satisfied in, in totality. We are free to go in spontaneously based on our love for God, not based out of duty or prescribed. Here's when you go in. Here's when you sacrifice. We have sacrifices to bring on a daily basis based on our love towards our God. What are your offerings? What are your offerings? Are you fulfilling the role of your new covenant priesthood? Let's pray.